journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is Adol Kazilski, and I am with you on Chai FM, and we are traveling through the Bible. Yes, indeed, we are. We've stopped our travels for a while because I traveled to warmer weather. But now that I'm back in the driver's seat, I'm glad that you can enjoy me and I can enjoy you. Um, and we are studying um, the book of Genesis. We're in Parashat Miketz. And we're at a very, very dramatic point in the story of Joseph and his brothers. What we are going to do is that we are going to be starting on chapter 43, verse uh, 25, where we left off was that the brothers eventually convinced their father, Yaakov, that they will go back down to the land of Egypt. They will do a quick chick chuck They will buy uh, the food that they need. They will show um, this viceroy, whom they do not know is their brother, Yosef. They will just show them their brother, Benjamin, and they will be back in the middle of really a matter of two, three days. And that was what was going to happen. But in fact, we all know the story behind the story, and we are going to see how it dramatically unfolds now. Please join me. If you have a Chumash, you can open up on chapter 43. We're going to start on verse 25. As always, please ask questions. Let's have a chat. Anything that you want to share or you want to ask, the SMS line is 34519, or you can uh, telegram us on 061 895-1019. Right, exact point we were actually at was that the boys arrived and Joseph went and told the people in his uh, household to prepare food. It was a Friday and he has intention to have the Friday lunchtime meal with them and you will see the Friday night. But in the meantime, all the brothers have been escorted to Joseph's house um, they are waiting the arrival of Joseph. They were given water. They washed their feet. Feet. Their donkeys have been fed, and they're waiting now for Yosef to come. And just to mention and to remind people that Shimon, the brother who remained behind from the first time, actually joins them as well. They got ready their tribute. Um, for Yosef when he would come at lunchtime, Kishamu, because they heard Kisham Yochlu Lachem, that they were going to break bread there. Now, just for just because we've had a little bit of a break, a reminder what tribute. If you recall, Yosef, um, Yaakov made them take the finest of the land of Israel um, and prepare it as a tribute to the viceroy just to show, you know, a sense of goodwill. So they prepared their gifts and they're waiting now for this viceroy to come break bread with them at lunchtime. Ve'yavo, this is verse 26, ve'yavo Yosef habaita, Yosef comes home, ve'yaviu lo et ha'midcha asher biyadam, they give him, they bring him the tribute that was in their hands, habaita to his house, ve'hishtachavu lo arta they once again bow down to him. Vayishal lahev l'shalom. He inquires to their welfare, like, how are you guys doing? Everybody okay? Vayomru hashalom. 
we are fine. And then he says, Hashalom avichim hazaken asher amartem haodenu chai. Is your old father about whom you spoke, is he at peace? Is he still alive? Now, you remember Yosef is pretty anxious because he knows that his father is pretty old, that his father is um, being in a state of mourning um, for Yosef, and there's just been some time that has transitioned. There wasn't any WhatsApp emails or any, any way to go and find out how the family back home was doing. So immediately he says, Hashalom avichem hazaken. How is the welfare of your father, the old one? Okay, that you said was alive. Now, this is very interesting because he actually was asking much more than how Jacob was. Because let's just go look into verse 28, what the brothers replied, and then let's go back and dissect it. Vayomru, and they respond, Shalom la'avdecha la'avinu. Your servant, our father, is at peace, or Denuchai, he is still alive. By Yigdu, they bowed their heads, Vishtachabu, and they prostrated themselves. So here you can see that Yosef should have just asked, Hashalom Avichem, how is your father? But he says, Hashalom Avichem Hazaken, how is your father the old one? Right? So what um, what what he was really asking over there, he was asking about, not early was he asking, how is Yaakov? He was asking about the Zakein, the older one, which means he was asking about the, the grandfather. He was asking about Yitzchak. Now, we know that when Joseph left, he, um, Yitzchak lived another 12 years, and then he passed on. And how do the brothers reply? They say, Shalom la'avdecha la'avinu. Your servant, our father, is well. Which by inference was meaning the Zakein, Isaac, is no longer well. And uh, just to explain it in one way, the Midrash actually says a very nice story about a rabbi called Reb Chia. Now, Reb Chia was going to Jerusalem um, and to go and study Torah. He was going there to the famous um, study, Yeshiva of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. And he was traveling from Babylonia to Jerusalem. Okay? And those are obviously biblical days. And one day, much, much later, while he was in Jerusalem, he bumps into a man from Babylonia and he says to him, How's my father? And the guy replied, your mother is alive and well. To which Rebchir replies, I asked about my father. Why do you tell me about my mother? So the man defended himself by replying, one inquires about the living, not about the dead. And I assumed you would understand my meaning. So here he inferred, well, you're asking how your father is. I'm not going to reply because sadly your father has passed on but I will tell you, your mother is alive. And from here, we learn that one shouldn't really um, utter bad news, saying openly that someone has died. Um, one should say it in a roundabout manner. In fact, we're told that it is a custom to, in the olden days, it was a custom to spill out the water stored in the neighborhood of someone 
who had died. So people that knew that someone had died in the area and it didn't have to be announced openly. So the same thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the same thing happened now with Yosef's question. Yosef had asked both about Yaakov and Yitzchak and the brothers had replied that that Yaakov was fine. And so from this, uh, uh, what's the name? The, the, uh, Yosef understood that Yitzhak had died. And as we, as I mentioned, Yitzhak died 12 years after Yosef came to Egypt. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Buy a book and change your life. And this is for today only. Kosher.com has called the recipes maximum flavor and minimum effort, and cooks around the world continue to rave about Simply Gourmet by Rifki. You too can now flavor up the Simple Gourmet recipe book. It was 720 Rand, but for today only, it's just 499 Rand. That's Kola Bookshop. Go, buy a book, change your life. And we are the people of the book, right? We are looking into the oldest book, of the Bi of of the of, of the world, and that's the Bible. I was going to say the oldest book of the Bible. We're in the Bible, um, but we're looking. We're look, We're actually learning the oldest stories of the Bible, and we're at the point now where Joseph has got the news, like in a very roundabout manner, that his grandfather Yitzhak had passed away. Yaakov is still around. Now here comes the drama. Vayisa Einav, this is verse 29 of chapter 43. Vayisa Einav, he lifts up his eyes. Vayar et Binyamin Achiv Benimo. He sees Benjamin, his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. Vayoymer, and so he says, Is this your youngest brother about whom you told me? Obviously, they said yes. Um, he replies, Elokim May God be gracious to you, my son. Yosef was obviously very, very happy to meet Benjamin because he bore a very strong resemblance to his father. And um, according to others, Benjamin looked very much like his mother. But irrespective, the bottom line was it was incredible that. Um, he was able to go and see his blood, blood brother again. Um, we're also told in the Midrash that Yosef looked on Binyamin with prophetic inspiration. And he saw that Binyamin was going to be blessed indeed in that his portion in the land of Israel will be where the divine presence would dwell. And as we know, the temple was where the temple was built, the Holy of Holies, the most holy part was in the portion of Binyamin. Very, very interestingly that the youngest brother has Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, um, there as his portion. Now the verse goes and tells us something understandably from a human perspective, but we're going to look deeper um, into the Midrashic perspective. It says, Vayimaher Yosef ki nichmeru rachamav el achiv what happened was Yosef ran out because at that point in time his feelings towards his brother had been stirred up. And he wanted to cry. 
he went into a room, a private room by Yefk Shama, and he cried there. You've got to understand, right? This guy's been away from his family for um, 22 years, and uh, his, uh, his, his, uh, his, his, his family have, have been really nasty to him, and there's been a long anticipation, anticipatory wait to reunite with his brothers, now particularly with his youngest brother, any human being would actually just burst out crying. And that's exactly what Yosef did. But we are told that there actually was a conversation with Yosef, I mean, with that Yosef had with Binyamin that precipitated this, this huge deluge of emotions. The Midrash says that Yosef said to Binyamin, did your mother have any other sons? Okay, him pretending to be the viceroy of Egypt. He says to Binyamin, did your mother have any other sons? To which Binyamin replied, I once had a brother, but I don't know what happened to him. Then Yosef says, do you have any children? Yosef replies, I have 10 sons. And he names them, Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Echi, Rosh, Mupim, Chupim, and Ard. Now, just by me reading these to you, you'd think that I'm really reading such strange names. You don't hear people having names of Chupim and Mupim and um, Echi. Um, so Yosef says to Benjamin, what is the meaning of these strange names? To which Benjamin replies, I named all my sons after my lost brother. The first one was called Bela, because my brother was Bala. He was swallowed up amongst the nations, and I don't know where he is. Becher, because he was my mother's firstborn. He was the Bachur. My third child was called Ashbel, because he was taken captive from Shabbat by El, by God. Gera, because he is a Ger. He is a stranger in a strange land. He's a foreigner in a strange land. Naaman, because he was a most pleasant, he was Naim, he was a pleasant brother. Echi and Rosh, because my brother was Achi, he was my brother, and he was Rosh, he was the head of our family. Mupim, because he learned much Torah from the, from the mouth, Mipi, Mipi, from my father. And Chupim, because I never saw him under the marriage canopy, under the chuppah. So they called him chuppim. And since he left, he also says, I never combed, I never chapa, I never combed my hair because I stayed in mourning. And ard comes from the word hurad, that he was probably brought down from city to city, and now he is nowhere to be found. My father also lowered himself, yarad, since my brother vanished. And he slept on his ground rather than on his bed. So he finishes up telling Yosef, I always look at my brothers and I see that each one has a companion. But for me, my brother is gone. And I have wept a great deal because of this. And it was these heart-rendering words that got Yosef so emotional that he had to weep. And so he left the room. How, how heart-rendering. Like, can you just imagine? 
Not sure if anybody's ever had a, 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 a stirring meeting where it's absolutely impossible to keep back one's, one's emotions. You know, sometimes you see on um, social media where particularly the, uh, uh, the ideas that come to my mind is when you see a, uh, a what's her name, uh, two Holocaust survivors who thought that their family was dead for 60 years and they landed up in two different sides of the world and they come together. You can just imagine that this played out as well um, with Yosef. And obviously when he heard Benjamin talk, he, he couldn't contain himself. Right, let's go back into chapter 43. We're now on verse 31. Vayir he washed his face. Okay, he had to uh, freshen up, take away, wipe, wipe away the tears. Vayetze, um, and he came out. The Yitzapek means he held in his emotions. And he says, Serve bread. Right? Commanded his, his, his household to start serving lunch. So they started serving. And how did they serve? They served in a very, very strange way. They served Yosef by himself. Now, just to add in here, Yosef, uh, Yosef was with his wife and his two children, okay? They happened to be there. Um, so it was Yosef and his, his family. They got served by themselves. The, the, the Ivrim, the brothers, they got served by themselves, and then the rest of the Egyptians that would eat with them also got fed by themselves. The question was, why? And the apostle goes and tells us that the Egyptians would not break bread with the Hebrews because it was loathsome to them. All right, why? Because the Jewish people would normally eat the meat of a lamb, a lamb was an animal which was very sacred to the Egyptians, and so there was a segregation there. We're certainly not going to land up eating what you what 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 what, what you are eating. and they sat lefanav before him. Habachor kiv chorato, vehatzair kitz irato. They sat the brothers from oldest to youngest. The oldest according to his seniority, and all the way down to the youngest, to his youth. And the brothers just looked at each other, it says here, in astonishment. Why? Because Yosef wanted to sit next to Benjamin. He wanted, like, the, 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 the side table, you know, like when you at a wedding and you say, well, here's the main table, right next to the main table, I want X, Y, Z to sit down next to me. So, the same thing with with uh, with um, Joseph. He wanted to sit next to Benjamin, um, and he started um, telling them where they should all sit, and he started grouping them together. And this astonished the brothers. Exactly how? So the midrash tells us that he took his cup and he pretended to be divining with it, right? That he was doing some type of sorcery. Obviously, he knew all his brothers, but this was the pretense. And he raised his cup and he said, 
Yehud is the leader. He must sit at the head of the table. Reuben is the oldest. He must sit next to him. Okay? He says, until now, I thought that Yehuda was the oldest since he was your spokesman. But now I'm looking in the liquids of my wine and it tells me that Reuben is the oldest. And he goes on and he seats all of Leah's sons together. Then he does the same thing to the sons of Zilpah and to Bila. And he announces the sons of the same mother should sit together. I, however, have no mother. And since Benjamin has no mother, it is fitting that we sit together. And he says further, I know what you're thinking. None of your mothers are still alive, but still you knew your mothers. They died only recently. Benjamin, on the other hand, did not know his mother. And he's sitting there like swirling his cup, right? You can just imagine how astonished the brothers were. In their wildest dreams, they could not imagine that the man speaking to them was Joseph. Okay? They were, they were, they were flabbergasted. They thought, my goodness, what great powers he must have to be able to know details of their family without asking them. And you kind of can ask yourself the question of, like, surely it should have gone through somebody's mind. Like, how the heck does this guy know everything about our family? But in truth, we all know that there is such a, a uh, thing today called cognitive dissonance, that sometimes when we go through a trauma or we go through something that we actually blot out of our minds, that we, we, we cannot see beyond it. We, we, we actually do not see what is right in front of us. And so every single one of the brothers, they were so nervous, so nervous, because no other person who had come to Egypt to buy food was invited to have a meal with the viceroy. And now they, had, they, they were nervous about Binyamin. They were nervous that he wasn't going to do anything more crazy. They just wanted to get the meal over with, pack up, and schmites. And here this guy is sitting them down, and he is somehow divining whose brothers belong to whom and which mothers were what, and this was just all too much for them. He had portions that he had set before him, served to them. And Benjamin's portion, Benjamin's portion, landed up being five times the amount of every other brother's portion. Okay, but they, they, they drank, and they became drunk with Yosef. Okay, now... Let's just go back a little bit at what was happening there. You remember I told you that Yosef himself served Binyamin because he put Binyamin right next to him. His wife Osnat was there. His sons Menashe and Ephraim were there. So not only did um, the servants serve Binyamin, but Yosef then got up and served Binyamin. And then Osnat got up and served Binyamin. Ephraim and Menashe both got up and served Binyamin. So Binyamin landed up with five times the amount of the rest of the brothers. Unbeknownst back at the ranch, before this meal had started, the Midrash tells us that Yaakov, I mean that Yosef had called his wife and his sons and had told them secretly that these were his brothers and that, in fact, Binyamin 
was his younger brother, but that they should not spill the beans and they should continue with the facade until until he was uh, ready. Now, you would think that the brothers would get pretty jealous that uh, Benjamin was getting five times the amount, but they actually accepted it gracefully because they were thinking to themselves, well, we did made such an effort to bring him all the way up from the land of Canaan. It's very good now. The Viceroy is paying special attention to him and honoring him more than the rest of us. Okay? Um, but Benjamin couldn't eat that much, more than his brothers. And so the bottom line is it, 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 it did look as if he was getting extra portions, kind of like as a sign of affection. So the brothers drink with Yosef and they become intoxicated. And there's a lot of discussion amongst our rabbis, particularly in the Midrash as well, as to was that a good thing or was that a bad thing? And there, there is a lot of discussion because one commentator comes out and says that this, in fact, was the first time in 22 years that they had tasted wine that the brothers had tasted wine. Because after they had sold Yosef, they took it upon themselves not to drink wine because they felt very bad about what they had done. And Yosef also himself, by the way, had given up wine because he was grieving because he was separated from his family. Now when they had come together to drink wine, it was the first time that they uh, both were drinking. Now, it says here they became intoxicated. It doesn't mean they were actually drunk, okay? Um, the wine that they drank was, 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 um, was not very, very strong, and so that they, they didn't become completely drunk from it. Um, an interesting idea. But some other rabbis go and raise an objection, and they say, look, it's understandable that Joseph would drink wine now, he recognized his brothers and was now reunited with them. But his brothers didn't recognize Yosef. So why would they break their vow not to drink wine? So the rabbis reply, well, they had no choice. Because when a ruler offers wine, you do not refuse. Okay? And some went and said that at first they didn't want to drink. And they said, look, since the day our brother was lost, we do not drink wine. But Yosef urged them so much that they figured they don't want to rile this guy up the wrong way. They will, they will uh, drink. Also, um, you know, we've got the, the saying, that when one drinks wine, uh, secrets leave, right? And... Um, they, 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 they felt that if they just don't relax and just do what they have to do, they're going to land up um, getting into trouble with this viceroy, and that might strengthen the case that he believed that they were, in fact, spies. And just before we go for a break, there was one other idea here, and that is, is that, as a rule, Jewish people do not drink um non-Jewish wine, meaning that we need to have hashkocha, we need to have a mashkiach, um, we need to have our wine watched from the time of uh, the pressing of the grapes until the wine comes to our table. And this is called uh, yayin nesach, and the re reason why is because 
the, the non-Jewish world, the Gentile, would you take Yai Nesek, libation wine, and pour it and give it to their gods. And even though at that point in time, um, the, 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 the brothers were not obligated, nevertheless, they kept the Torah. And they were very, very nervous to drink wine that was served by a non-Jew because that under normal circumstances wasn't allowed. However, however, we are told that because they were in a place of life and death, they did not want to take this guy off, this viceroy, in any way whatsoever. Um, they, they assumed that um, it was okay to, and also the viceroy had shown that he was paying attention to the food they were eating to make sure it was kosher. They hoped that the viceroy had gone out of his way to abide by the fact that the wine would be permissible. So on all all occasion, on all circumstances, um, they decided that they should not make an issue with the wine because there was much bigger things at stake. This is 101.9 Ha FM. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. The bottom line here that we see is that divine providence arranged that no matter what would happen, the brothers would not recognize Yosef, okay? Um, and they were still like stuck in that cognitive dissonance uh, space where they didn't um, understand really what was going on other than that they should please and wine and dine this viceroy. Right, we're going to look in chapter 44 now. We finished up chapter 43. Again, if you'd love to uh, join the conversation, ask a question, pass a comment, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. Vayitzav et asher al beito. Yosef commanded he who was in charge of his house, which, by the way, who was the one that was in charge of his house? His son, Menashe. Okay, remember now, I just mentioned that Osnat, his wife, Menashe, and, um, and, and Ephraim are all in on this. And if you remember that Osnat is family of Yaakov as well, right? She's pretty excited to have met um, her family. If you don't know how she is, was of, 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 of Yaakov's family, go back um, to the place where we speak about Yosef getting married to Osnat. Anyway, he says to Menashe, Lamor, male et am techot ha'anashim, ochel ka'asher yochlun, se'et v'sim kesev ish b'fi am tachto. He says, fill the men's packs with as much food as they can carry. And again, he's telling him, place each man's money in the mouth of his pack. Set up, take two, right? That's what happened the first time. After they had got all their food, um, Menashe had slipped money into, or the money they had paid for the food, back into their sacks. And Yosef is telling him to do it again. But now he adds in one more thing. And he says, "Ve'et give givia hakasef, hakasef." But my 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 becha, my silver um, kiddushka, the silver one. Tasim b'fi at amtachas hakaton. Place that 
in the youngest one's pack. Let Kesef Shivro and then add his money as well with, with, with the provisions. And Menashe goes um, and, and does as he is told. So here we see now the plot thickening. Yosef is going to do the ultimate test. He's now going to um, set up Binyamin and tell all the brothers they can go home. And he's just going to keep uh, Binyamin. Now, uh, the brothers obviously are unaware of that. And verse 3 says, Haboker or there's the morning light, the Anashim, Sholchu, Hema, Vechahamorehem. The men go on their way together with their donkeys. Now, if you recall, I told you they sat down and broke bread on Friday lunchtime. So the next morning is Shabbos day. The question is, how could they have traveled on Shabbos day? Well, we know that the laws of Shabbos um, are as follows. Number one, um, you cannot travel on Shabbos unless it is for pikuach nefesh, for saving a life. And in this case, it was a matter of life and death. They'd left their families without food. Um, tarrying might, starve, might cause one of them to starve to death if they delayed even a single day. And therefore, from that perspective, they felt they should leave as soon as possible. Okay? Um, but what the way they left is very important. It says, Anashim shochu hema they left on their way and their donkeys. That's how, that's how it's practically read. Um, and this comes to teach us that they sent out on, um, they went out on Shabbos, but their donkeys were carrying the food. They made sure not to carry. The other was that they were still apprehensive that Joseph would harm them. And even from that, even if the family wasn't starving back in Canaan, um, they felt they had to leave in the morning um, because, listen, this guy seems to be carved, this Yosef. We don't want him coming up with any other ideas, and so let's get out of there. Also, we know that when there is a command to do, you do it with alacrity. Avram got up, got up very early to go sacrifice Yitzchak. They, they were confident that they were going to, uh, to just get out of the space with Yosef. And um, we're going to read just another two verses because our see time is running away with us. They had just left the city. They hadn't gone far. Now, this is very important because one can walk in a city on Shabbat, but one cannot go more than 2,000, um, uh, uh, I think it's 2,000. Amos, I'm not exactly sure of the biblical um the, the 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 biblical amount but you can't travel you can't say okay well i'm not going to travel i'm going to walk out of johannesburg and i'll just walk all the way to pretoria you're not allowed to on shabbos there's only a certain amount a distance that you're allowed to travel within the city confines and here we can see it says they had just left the city they had not gone far means in truth they had not broken shabbos their donkeys were carrying everything they were walking they hadn't broken the barrier of leaving the city, and guess what happened? 
Yosef Amar Asher Yosef says to the one in charge of his house, again, who's he saying that to? He's saying that to Menashe. Kum redof anashim. Set out, go out, pursue the men. Vihisatem and catch up with them. And say to them, Lama silamtem ra Go and ask them, why did you repay good with evil? Why? Because it's the cup from which my master drinks. He uses it for divination. Look how badly you have behaved. Right? Um, so right away, what he was doing is he said, don't give them a chance to start arguing about things. Okay, bring up the subject of the Kiddush cup immediately. Don't start speaking to them about other matters um, and hesitating to bring it out, okay, because they might start searching their packs while you're having a conversation. And when they find the Kiddush cup, they'll hide it in the sand so no one can find it. So come up to them immediately, you know, confront them and ask them, what are you doing? You know, this is the way you behave, doing evil for good. Why have you taken my master's Kiddish cup? This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. So basically, Joseph is commanding uh, uh, Menashe to yell at them and say to them, besides stealing, okay, which is a great wrong, okay, um, you've now stopped me, you, you've made me leave my place. There are people wanting to buy provisions. And the people now have, who have come to buy provisions have to wait because I have to, so I have to come after you. That means families are dying of starvation. So besides robbery, you're also now guilty of murder. Okay, And then also to say to them that one should not ever steal something that's in constant use because, you know, if somebody uses it all the time, you'll realize that it's missing straight away. And also if you're going to go steal something, steal something simple. So... You know, just to chastise them that they are really, really, really bad thieves. And this is where we are going to leave it because you can just imagine how the brothers are now feeling. This is a setup of mega proportions and they are now being set up um, even worse than their, their wildest dreams. But to find out what's going to happen, you are going to have to tune in next week at the same time, one o'clock, and we will see how this story unfolds. In the meantime, Shavuot Tov, have a great week ahead. Stay warm, stay safe, and I'll talk to you again. This is 101.9 High FM.